Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on this place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Apostle Paul, or the letter of Apostle Paul to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We are continuing to be immersed into the Word of God. The Word of God that He has poured out on us abundantly. And those who have loved His coming, and He has done this abundantly through His order. He has done it. No, he poured it out abundantly in the heart of our Apostle, our Pastor. And out of love, out of great love toward his people in order to prepare his saints to meet with him in the clouds. This word is called the right to set aside the former way of life in order to be clothed in a new way of life. So having accepted this word as the preached word of God, we had received this authority, this anointing, this right to follow after the Lord. So a person that has not accepted this revelation, he has not received this anointing, he has not received this calling, he has not received this right. This for him remains just words. But we have accepted this word. And of course, we saw these three verbs that are separated here. Our pastor continually places our focus on them. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And to set aside, we understand the former way of life. The former way of life, our lusts, our corrupt thoughts, all kinds of a spiritual way of life. And you know, for some people, it is easy. For some, it is more difficult. 
Once, a young man, rich, came to Jesus, we remember this story, and he had turned and said, Teacher, good teacher, what do I need to do? He knew that he needed to do something in order to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says to him, Observe my commandments. And he says, What commandments? And he began to list, do not kill, do not be adulterous. He had listed ten commandments or some of these commandments. He says, all of this I have kept until the days of my youth. So as far as I remember, I have kept this. And Christ had loved this person. He was a command. Uh, he, he was a very talented young man who knew how to rule, who knew how to to be able to manage others, and he could manage his riches and all of this. And he did this with the blessing of the Lord. And he had loved him. The Lord loves people who from their youth tried to keep themselves before God and fulfill his commandments. And he saw one important component that the old way of life of the old man is not set aside, which is expressed in the program. In the program of Satan in this person, if he has not set aside this program, then he will inherit eternal darkness. And this young man inside understood that he lacked something that he's not doing everything that God wants. And Christ directly had told him. Or rather, he, he wasn't, that young man wasn't expecting such an answer. We know in Israel, people looked at the rich, this seemed as a great favor from God. How wealthy and talented this person is. How wise he is. How great he is to do with, how great he is to work his business. He goes to service, everything is going well. And Christ said to him the following truth. And we know that the young man left with sorrow because this was such a shock to him to give every, to set aside everything. For 15, 20 years, I tried to acquire all this wealth. And before, in previous days, people. 30 and 40, they were considered young. So we are, we are all young. There are elders and there are those that are young. And perhaps we're already walking in the fullness of years and 40. But 30, 35, it's still, we're young. Youth. And he says, well, I've tried. I've, God has blessed me. And to take all of this and to remove it from my life, and Christ said, give everything up until the very last penny, till the very last cent. In America, here we have cents and dollars. They are considered as the main important currency. And follow after me. Follow after me. Come with me. And then you will have eternal life. You will be clothed in imperishability. I will teach you how to do this. And he went away with sorrow. But we have not gone away. 
people say, I've gone to another church. Well, you know what? In another church, this isn't preached the same there. It, what is preached there is you must observe the commandments. You must observe what is written according to the word. But no one preaches this revelation that God has given to his remnants, his chosen ones. And people leave. They leave. And this is, of course, unfortunate. But we haven't left. You know, Lord has told all of us that we need to leave something through the preached word. He has carried this word. You need to leave this. You need to leave that. This young man, all of his goals were focused on his riches. For Abraham, all of his life was in his heir, Isaac. And God said to Isaac the same thing. Take the one that you have, the one that you love, the one that is more precious than all in this life, and go and bring it him upon one of the mountains upon which I will tell you later. And our deities that we may sometimes hide, or rather that which is precious to us, that which we place as more valuable. And, you know, looking at us today, I think that we all have set aside our former way of life. We have seen Him. The Holy Spirit, through the preached Word, has shown us what this old man is comprised of, this former way of life. And we declared battle against Him. We despise this old way of life. And the Lord, according to His mercy, has shown us. And when we declared battle, and when we gave all to the Lord, and placed all upon the altar, and we thought, well, this is death. The de death of this, death of that. You know, then we understood that the good words of God were, He who believes in me, even if he dies, he will be alive. We must place our soul through death, and God has resurrected this, and we are alive, joyful, successful, prosperous, and we have enough of everything. And we are not poor and hungry, but we live and we rejoice and praise God for this. So the first step, the second step, the Lord began to teach us how to be renewed with the spirit of our mind. The spirit of the mind is the mind of Christ in our spirit. And how we must be taught to reformat our thinking, our soul, in such a way so that we can think as God thinks. And of course, God's messenger has said, it is going to be difficult for you to understand everything. Simply imitate me. Not in such an expensive, beautiful suit. You can... But rather to imitate in the sense that Imitate me as I imitate God. And when we begin when we began to do this, God's messenger brought us to the death of our own mind, and we begin to understand that our mind or our trust in our mind we no longer can rely on. And we gave up our mind to death. And we also placed it, our soul on the altar in such a way as to refuse our own opinion, our own understanding, and the attempts to independently become like God, and we have died. This trust on our intellect, our mind died, on our capabilities that are expressed. 
In being able to, with our mind, interpret scripture, we died to this, trying to interpret what is good, what is evil. And then we discovered that we rose, our mind rose, resurrected. It had gone through death and it arose in the image of Mehishabeth. This was someone that was lame on both of his feet. And David said, David, of course, is our spirit. He said, God says to our mind, renewed mind, that is presented before God in our essence, in the image of Mehifajet, you will always eat bread at my table. So humble, reformatted, having died and risen, this mind is always going to feed from the revelations of the Lord, will eat of this bread. And the Lord continues to teach us what it means to be clothed into the new man. And we are immersed in this revelation. And of course, if we have accepted this word and have gone in this direction, we have boldness and our words will not be idle. When we declare with the prophet Isaiah, when we say, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. And of course, we have realized that this clothing does not accord in these clothes of righteousness when it says God has clothed me this is a mutual collaborative work between man and God just as it is said that Abraham gave birth to Isaac Isaac gave birth to Jacob Jacob gave birth to 12 patriarchs but in fact their wives partook they partook in this and of Sarah it is said our mother it is said of her that she, being unfruitful, barren, she accepted power from God through faith. By faith, she accepted the power to accept the seed. And who are we, friends? Not many, not all of us are talented, perhaps very bright people, big businessmen, big influencers, but God has chosen the weak of this world to be able to represent the high calling. God has chosen His remnants and we know this will happen very quickly and God is preparing us because we are the because the male child is going to rule with a rod of iron and God has prepared this and he has already given this testimony into the hearts. Therefore, we have ended up understanding this, and we have seen the riches and the beauty and the ability, the Anointed One, the Lord through the Holy Spirit, has revealed in our hearts that here in this place it is possible and we have agreed to pay the price because in order to be clothed in the garments of righteousness we need to pay a certain price 
We have already gone over six components of this price and have turned to the seventh price. That is, the price for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness in order to fulfill the justice of God. This is being clothed in redemption, yielded in observance of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. The Pesach feast, even before the creation of the world, was meant by God to become the blessed fate of all those that come to Him, in which God received the opportunity to fill judgment over His enemies that persecuted His chosen remnant. Before the creation of the world, He had this nias prepared, and this is verified in Scripture numerously. Each detail of the celebration of Pesach, we use this Hebrew original word because it has a deep meaning behind it, and it pointed to the final deliverance from the slavery of sin and death in the body, and in the future, the final deliverance from the perishable body in the mortal soul, which, thanks to our worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb, will be clothed in imperishability and immortality. And this future becomes present for us. We begin to, with the eyes of the Spirit, we begin to hear this preached word, to see it, to penetrate it, and to call the inexistent as existent. And in order for the treasure of the Pesach feast to become a reality for us, Scripture has imputed to us the need to fulfill ten conditions that are written in the twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus. We will list them. The first, this is to separate the Pesach lamb. This is to remove all leaven from our home. Third, this is to sprinkle the blood on the doorposts of our door. Fourth, this is to bake or roast the lamb in fire. Five, this is to gird oneself with a belt or a sash. Six, this is to put sandals on our feet. 7. To take the staff in our hands. 8. To eat the whole lamb fully. 9. To eat the lamb with breads and bitter herbs. And 10. This is to eat it in haste. 10 important components. This is the statute of the Pesach feast. In previous services, we together have already looked at 9 conditions or requirements of Pesach that highlight how we ought to prepare ourselves to worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb giving us the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness and how we ought to worthily partake. So we needed to prepare oneself. And this, this were the first seven components. And furthermore, how to eat the whole Pesach lamb. This is to eat it fully with breads and bitter herbs. We remember that to eat it fully or to eat the lamb fully is to not separate the reigning components or the pastor of the church, the head of the church, to eat it fully means to eat it with the head, with its uh, insides fully. It had to have been eaten. So there is a pastor in the church. We say, oh, I love, there are such great people in this church, but the pastor isn't very good. Well, they say also, oh, what a great pastor, but the people in this church... There is such turmoil, such turmoil, and people, and 
And when a woman came with alabaster oil, everyone knew that she was a sinner, and she began to wash his feet, to wash his feet with her hair and anoint him with oil. And, you know, not everyone liked this. People were shocked and they began to groan. They were afraid to say this out loud because on Christ there was such great power and authority that people were afraid to speak out loud. But Simon created such a feast and Christ said, Simon, Simon, look. He could also read his thoughts and he said, I have come but you didn't give uh, wash my feet but look she washed my feet with her tears you did not give me any anointing you did not kiss me you didn't even greet me and we live in such a culture that in which we don't kiss one another upon greeting people don't want to kiss and for some this is but at that time that was a sign of respect. If you go to someone, come to someone's house, then you kiss him. Why did you invite him then? If you don't love him, but if you love him, he says, you did not kiss me, but she kissed my feet. With bread and bitter herbs, we remember that this is the teaching of the blood and the teaching of the cross of Christ, and this is very important. This is blessing and curse, which in that revelation in which we carry in our heart, in the faith teaching that we have accepted, we balance it so that there's a great balance between curse and blessing, between bitter herbs and breads. There's a certain correct balance that the Lord teaches us about. And how much days we eat the breads, it had to have been eaten seven days. Seven days means fullness. So if you observe Pesach, Pesach is a one specific day, the 14th of Nisan or Abib. And, but the breads, the leavened breads, had to eat, be eaten for the rest of the time, the whole week, the whole fullness, all seven days. And there were present bitter herbs, the holiness of God, salt that was present upon all sacrifice. Every sacrifice had to be seasoned with salt and seasoned with fire. And if salt loses its flavor, then this is, that's it. It ought to have been thrown out to be trampled on by man, for it is no longer good for anything. A person cares carries an outward appearance of godliness, but he does not have holiness. It has been violated and neglected. All of what he is showing is before people. And this person doesn't know what the basic feast is, does not, cannot celebrate or observe it, and is kept by God for the day of judgment to be devoured by fire. And we looked at nine components when we were studying this. Therefore, we look to the final condition. This is the need to eat the basic lamb in haste. Tenth important component. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. 
there's another multitude place other multitude places of scripture the element of haste upon partaking of Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in scripture as a certain unchanging law it is this element that was used in the exodus out of egypt and it was this element that was elevated by god in the rank of a special sign deuteronomy 16 3 you shall eat no leavened bread with it seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it that is the bread of affliction for you came out of the land of egypt in haste that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of egypt all the days of your life Another place of scripture says, Let this be a frontlet on your eyes and a sign on your right hand, so that you remember the Lord your God, so that you not forget him. This must be continually observed. And in whom this is not, he is blind. He has forgotten that he has once been cleansed by God who he was cleansed by and how he was cleansed and he forgot about this but we are not so we are called to remember and this must be a continual memorial before our eyes and if we fulfill the Pesach of the Lord with haste this is always going to be a frontlet over our eyes and a sign on our right hand the seal of God the word haste Apart from its direct meaning to hurry and to not be late, in Hebrew contains also the following meanings. To take the yoke upon oneself, to carry our cross, to endure suffering, to be clothed in the mantle of a disciple, to be clothed in the armor of light, to renew our thinking, to ponder upon the law of the Most High, to be clothed in the garments of righteousness, to stand watch and not violate the word of God. Consider this meaning. We will provide certain meanings in which is contained the meaning of haste. Take the basic of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to ponder upon and to discern over the meaning contained in the basic feast, or rather over those truths which we fertilize ourselves with through the seed of the word that we hear. So we come this service here we fertilize when the person the person whom God has placed to be the planter a person who represents the delegated fatherhood of God when he speaks the words he has an anointing to plant and we are called are also called to fulfill this function to plant this word and then to water or to fertilize it, having pondering upon it, dwelling in it. Next, to eat the Pesach of the Pesach of Lord in haste means to eat of or to hear the word of God in the humility and contrition of the heart. Furthermore, to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to be vigilant or to stand watch on that which we think about or that which we eat through hearing the word of God. We have fertilized, we have planted, and it has begun to grow, but we must protect it, must be vigilant over this word. Because someone is going to try to steal this word in us. To eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to cherish the time that has been allowed to eat of the Pesach. 
The next meaning, to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to desire and to find satisfaction in eating of Pesach and the subject of the desire to hearing the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. Next meaning, to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to fulfill our salvation with fear and trembling and with reverence. And one other meaning, to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to be strengthened by all power according to the might of the glory of God in all patience and long-suffering with joy. And as Pastor always says, that this list could have been continued. This is a certain format that we observe. We place this word in a certain order, in a certain format. But this word of God is broad, and we could expand it. There is a lot more that is placed in this word. We will turn to the first two meanings, and we will try to cover today what it means to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste. The first meaning, to eat the Pesach of the Lord in haste, means to ponder upon the word that we hear, or those thoughts that we fertilize ourselves with through the seed of the word that we have heard, in which we keep and grow as our imperishable inheritance containing in itself our salvation. Through the formation of Scripture, it is those thoughts about the haste partaking of the Pesach Lamb which we place in our mind, or which we give the right to rule over us. They formulate, they form us and rule over us. That which we hear forms us and controls us. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. A very important thought. We always hear about this. We can't hear whatever we want, what we want. But we hear that word which the Lord gives to the planter on whom we, He placed the spirit of fatherhood. And with this word we fertilize ourselves. And these thoughts and these words begin to form or begin to rule, control us. That is why Apostle Paul, giving instruction about how we ought to, ought to eat the Pesach of the Lord, that is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29, it says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We have already heard about how Judah had eaten partaken of the body of Christ and he condemned himself because through this unworthy partaking Satan entered him we should highlight that to eat and drink unworthily in condemnation to oneself or in judgment to oneself is to try to try with our own intellect to understand the mystery of redemption a person that has not died to his nation to his home into his carnal life cannot have renewed thinking that is called to place itself in Christ and to clothe itself in Christ and accepting the supper of the Lord or rather communion of the Lord representing Pesach to ponder upon is to purchase for with a price 
to dedicate or to keep our dedication, to protect, to consider, to look at, study, to think about, to consider what is spiritual, to meditate upon the law, to talk about it, to discuss, to think about it, honor it, make a choice, make a decision to know, to see, understand, declare, retell, to list and to be chosen. We sometimes at home, as is written here, sometimes we discuss, we have a discussion, well this is so, that is so, well how about this is so, Uh, getting up in any kind of free time we return and we think about how can we understand this correctly. We hear this word, but we must somehow place it, put them in files. We're a computer program. There's a lot of memory, and there are different files. We must place everything in each according folder. And when we are sowing, when the seed is, is sown, it has to somehow be it has to somehow be sown and this happens through this meditation through this discussion and when we pray we ponder when we walk before god we ponder we continually return to these ideas and thoughts and finally it begins to take up that form which god had meant for it to take up so that it could correctly uh, this word can correctly be in us according to this concept because again this so this computer program could work because there is a seed that could die. There's a seed that could come up and will grow quickly and then will and then will diminish and then will dry up. But that's why the soil must be good. According to this concept, the worthy partaking of Pesach could sound like this. For he who eats and drinks, not in haste, he refuses to purchase oil for the burning of one's lamp of life, and he eats and drinks his judgment or his perdition. And so, when you hear the voice of the Lord, do not grow hardened, because we lose this haste when we begin to harden our heart, harden our neck, when we don't want to show our obedience to the Word of God. According to Scripture, pondering upon the body of the Lord in the Pesach feast means pondering upon God his word, his laws, his judgments, his commands, his precepts, his promises, his goodnesses, his works, and so forth. It is all of these multifunctional definitions that come from one another, are found in one another, and that verify the truth of one another. They are the contents or the inheritance in the Pesach celebration. We are talking about what it means to to discern and ponder and how to do this. Again, we're not speaking, we are remembering because the anointed one of the Lord speaks of this and we, having accepted this, are called to return to this word, to chew it, to ponder upon it, and to remember it. Right now, we are reminding and remembering. He who does not understand or is not instructed how to eat the Pesach of the Lord with haste, which is presented in Scripture, then he cannot discern the body and blood of the Lord. 
this person only has an outward appearance that he follows scripture and celebrating Pesach, but in fact he hates or he neglects the law of God represented in the Pesach feast. He has an outward appearance of godliness. He wants to look like everyone else, but inside he is not so. In order to understand that pondering upon the law of God is truly the result that comes from love to the law of God, we should turn to the following places of scripture. For example, Psalms 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Thus, to eat the Pesach of the Lord with haste means to love God and to love his just law. John 14:21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. So to love the Lord is to love his commandments, to love his laws. And he who loves me, he says, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And you know, I grew up in a religious midst where it was considered that we should not take away or to add. We had to sing only from Scripture. Psalms of David were mostly sang. And certain places from the Book of Revelations were sang from prophets from Isaiah and so and so forth. Many places of Scripture were sung. And people were not taught what, a, what the word psalm is. Psalm is a song or singing that is in accompaniment with many different musical instruments. But we didn't read in Hebrew, and we simply just sang, we sang a cappello, wherever people would question, where did Christ, where was he with a guitar? We could only sing a cappella. We must only sing a cappella in these kind of melodies. They were half, sounded half orthodox. And when we were in our midst, we always sung. Every night we sang. This was a, a holy time for us to sing before bed. We would sing and then pray and go to bed. And in our family, everyone loved to sing and they sang. And I loved to sing also. When some other kind of person came, you know, we sang Psalm 74, for example, all the horns of the wicked, the horn will be overcome by the horns of the righteous. This person began, that was not from from us, would, would react shocked. And I remember when we came to America, we were sponsored by an American church, and they found out that we sang, and they asked us to sing. And I was so shy of these psalms, but when we sang it, uh, they, they listened calmly, and the Russian population listened as well. But I was always shy of these psalms until up a certain time. When I, for the first time, heard how our pastor prays and how he uses these psalms in prayer, I all of a sudden understood that it turns out this is a treasure. These psalms are riches, they're a treasure, it's such beauty. And to me this was opened and the idea that I want to carry out is we could, 
accept the law from the lips of God. We can't know it or understand it simply just reading it or simply hearing about it from people who are not empowered by God to represent the fatherhood of God. But when I had heard this from the person whom God has anointed to represent the fatherhood of God, I fell in love in these psalms, and I still love them. And, you know, I caught myself at such an experience. We sing them from childhood. I remember three, four, five years, these melodies, they, uh, they don't leave. And when I have uh, different trials, and I found that all of a sudden, in the most difficult moment, I sang, sang Psalm 142, Lord, I cry out to you, hurry to help. It is with those melodies and with those words that I cry out to God. And right now I understand the riches that are contained in these words. Then I did understand I was shy of them. Of course, Scripture says, accept the law from my lips. Their lips whom which God has established. And when we accept the law from His lips, then we can love Him. I didn't love the law. I fulfilled it. I tried to fulfill it. I was zealous. I was very diligent in fulfilling the law. But you know, I didn't love it because I couldn't understand it. And I couldn't love it. Because before, before, before then, I, I'd never accepted it from the lips of someone. And it is written in Job, accept the law from the lips and then you will love it. And in this manner, we begin to love the law and understand the riches of God's commandments. I turn to the words of Jesus Christ, John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, who has accepted them, who has accepted them from the lips of God, and keeps them. It is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. To eat the basic of the Lord in haste means to love God or to ponder upon the law and works of God. Then we will listen to certain examples, the results of which are tied to hastily partaking of the basic of the Lord in the subject of pondering upon the Lord. The result of pondering upon the law of God will be our clothing in the powers of great peace that is going to serve as our guarantee from all kinds of stumbling. Psalms 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. So we can say the following, Great peace have those who eat the pasic of the Lord in haste and nothing causes them to stumble. And also a place of scripture, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. And all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and, the great, and great shall be the peace of your children, the children of the Lord. We know that the children or the sons of the Lord are the sons of Zion. In this midst there is a person who represents the fatherhood of God. In this congregation, is called Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which is the mother of us all. And the sons of Jerusalem, those that have been born in Jerusalem, those that acknowledge the authority of the fatherhood of God in the person that has been sent by God, in those, or rather, they will be taught, and they will have a great peace, the great peace of God. Because in this manner, 
God will teach them love toward the law of God. A person can't any other way. However much you may talk about this law, like the Pharisees, they talked a lot, they argued often, they taught others, and they say, they would say, if anyone Christ said they distorted the law of God although they talked about it they taught others about it and they tried to turn people to this law and when this kind of person would come they couldn't pass along love toward this law and through this they made it the next result of pondering upon the law of God will be being clothed in the comfort of Christ or the peace of Christ expressed in the ability to ponder upon the statutes of the law of grace. Psalms 119 verses 47 through 48. The doctrine of the Old Testament I would delight myself in your commandments which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments which I love and I will meditate on your statutes. So that in two immutable things for which it is impossible for God to lie could be a comfort, consolation that we have. As it is written in Hebrews chapter 6 verses 18 through 20, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, you might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. David trusted in the law of God and he knew having been found in the times of the law he knew that a deliverer will come to Zion and deliver the people he knew that this Pesach was present in the communion in the blood and the body of the Lord the next result of Meditating upon the law of God and the works of God will be the desire and the ability to seek God. Psalms 143 verses 5 through 6. I remember the days of the old. I meditate on all your works. I amuse on the work of your hands. My soul unto you is like a thirsty land. We're stretching out my hands toward your commandments. And to God, this is practically one and the same. There will be the ability to stretch out. A person will know how to stretch out and where to stretch his hands. The next result of pondering upon the revelations of the law of God will be being clothed in the understanding of Christ and the acceptance of important decisions. Psalms 119 verses 100 through 101. I understand more than the ancients because I have kept your pre- keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. In this case, there are teachers of the law of Moses that are called to be the guides to Christ. Under the understanding that came to David thanks to his pondering upon the revelations of the law and keeping these laws in his heart from distortion is referring to the breath of the Almighty and Job 32.8 says, But there is a spirited man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. We will never be wiser, or rather, more understanding than our teachers which God has placed before us. 
It is good for a teacher or disciple to want to be his teacher. The main teaching is the teaching of Jesus Christ. We know that's the teaching. And we have teachers, the messengers, and he tells them, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, or as I have presented this Father to you. And teachers are sent by God also. They say, imitate me as I imitate Christ, and this is enough. You don't need to become more correct than the messenger of God or to do it with more understanding than teacher. Of course, we have teachers, as we know, in colleges and some kind of life circumstances. People that might teach us how to lead a business, a profession, and being found and the breath of the Almighty giving us understanding. Of course, we will become successful and more understanding. And I remember in a situation, there was an inspector, a main inspector in Portland who inspects uh, construction sites. He's been working for more than 35 years and he not too long ago meets with me and says, Dimitri, how jealous I am of you. All of my life, I want to, my whole life, I wanted to build a house. I know how to do everything until the very last nail, but I have never built even a big barn. I simply go and inspect them. When I began to build my first home, I came, people were told, take this, take that. Brothers helped me. I went and gave permits into the city of Portland, and I'm asked, well, what's the food footing that's going to be under the foundation? And I said, well, what is footing? He looks at me. He says, are you are you trying to build a house? Do you not know what footing is? And I said, I, I, maybe I don't know, but I didn't know this word. But, and of course, the Lord will bless the saints that dwell so that we may be, so that the law, the book of this law, did not leave our lips, so that we can eat of it day and night, and then we'll be successful in all of our ways, and we'll proceed with understanding. Next, the result on the revelations of the law of God and the works of God will be as a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever we does shall prosper. Psalms 1, 2-3, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Next, pondering upon the revelations of the law of God and the works of God, our lips are going to speak wisdom, and the pondering of our heart will be of the knowledge of God. Psalms 49, verses 4 through 5, I will incline my, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark saying on the harp. On the harp. Harp is our essence. And when we ponder, when we ponder upon this word, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit allows us to begin there's this music that sounds and a revelation begins to ring in our heart. We begin to understand what the Word of God is talking about. Ultimately, the concluding words points to the method of pondering in which we incline our ear to the proverb and on our hearts uncover the, our hidden saying. 
Next, in re the result of pondering upon the revelations of the law of God and the works of God, we can correctly construct our prayer according to the will of God. Psalms 48, verses 8 through 11. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Thus, the element of haste in pondering upon the law of God is, on one hand, the main and necessary element of prayer, and on the other, it is the main element of worship and communication with God. And Jesus Christ said, when you pray, do not speak a lot, ponder. Be quiet before God and ponder, and then build your prayer according to Scripture so that we can pray according to the Word of God. This is the greatest, the greatest kind of prayer when we pray with the words of God which He has given. And this is the main element of communication with God. And a prayer that lacks the element of haste expressed and pondering upon the goodness and the works of God cannot be called a prayer. Our night prayers, our other prayers, we come, we pray on Sunday, our morning prayer. A lot of it is understanding. Yes, we speak words. Yes, we pray. Oftentimes, we don't know what we ought to pray, but we have tongues. Before, people would say, well, can you pray for me? I stopped refusing. Before I had refused, I say and I think, well, what kind of person is this? I don't know how to pray. Sometimes a person might ask to pray, and I have this kind of difficulty. One time at work, a person, I was talking with him. He says, our pastor teaches us this, and God blesses us. He says, and he says, well, can you pray? Fifteen years he's trying to he's trying to marry. He says, "Can you, can you pray?" Because, and I said, "It sounds seemed, seemed like relatives were getting in the way." And his future mother-in-law says, "You're never going to be rich with him." And I said, "You know, this mother-in-law is cursing you. She's simply cursing you. And you need to destroy this." And he and he says, "Well, can you pray?" I say, "Okay." And I took and I, I prayed with him, and I say, Lord, let this witchcraft be destroyed, and may you have mercy upon this person. He calls three weeks later and says, Dima, I wanted to tell you that last Friday I got married. I say, well, why didn't you invite me to your wedding? I wouldn't go anyways because it's on Sunday, because this person was... A, a literal observer of the Sabbath and now he has three children everything's fine and they are living well praise God but of course we're talking about prayer and we're talking about pondering upon the law of God when we ponder and when we dwell before God of course this is the main and central component of prayer before God and this means to eat the Pesach lamb in haste. There is a multitude of other meanings. It's, uh, it, is, it has a multitude of meanings. And we will try to go over the second definition as well. 
Second definition of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to hear the word of God in the humility and contrition of the heart. James chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We ought to know that humility is always the result of meekness or a meek heart. And therefore, to hurry to perfection or to eat the Pesach lamb in haste is to humble or to discipline ourselves according to the perfect will of God that yields the order of the kingdom of heaven in the heart of a person. The element of haste during our worthy partaking of Pesach is practically our collaboration with the protection of God that is called to give us the ability to fulfill our salvation. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 36, You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your mercy has made me great. We need to know that the mutual concept of Scripture with regard to that which God gives His children and the kind of gift as the shield of salvation and the subject of eating the Pesach of the Lord, He gives on His conditions. And He gives only on His conditions. And He does not have another. And in order to collaborate with the protection of God expressed in the haste partaking of the Pesach Lamb, which from beginning to end is the mercy of God, it is necessary for us to collaborate with the words of God that come from the lips of God about salvation that is that are noted in Scripture and the condition for humility that is the element of a haste partaking of the Pesach Lamb is a decision to love the pure milk of the Word. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. The milk of the word, as we know, is knowledge of God and of His salvation, which we receive not through our own studying of the word of God, but through discipleship, through acknowledgement and listening to the specific teacher placed before us by God. It's a very important condition, and we can't go around it. Our personal studying of Scripture never replaces those revelations which God will give us through the milk of His Word. On the contrary, our studying of Scripture in connection with the pure milk of the Word will serve for us as a shield of salvation with which we will be able to diminish the fiery darts of the wicked one. And to love the pure milk of the Word, it is necessary to have the dignity of a disciple expressed in the state of a newborn babe that is expressed in his certain properties that he has. So someone likens himself to a newborn babe. Jesus Christ, he had said, I thank you, Father, heaven and earth, that you have kept this hidden from the wise, the great and the lofty one, but the mysteries are revealed to the humble, not to the high and to the lofty. The desire, this component of a newborn babe, that a disciple must have and the desire to be independent and free in understanding of scripture is one of the greatest destructions of the fallen man which is the product of his pride which will lead him to the link of fire just like the desire already on its own it is rebelling and is incompatible with the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom or the nature of the heavenly kingdom Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. 
the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here we see this line according to which this revelation passes. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. He doesn't show his servants. He showed, he sent and signified by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. God, Father, Jesus Christ, John, to the seven angels, to the seven churches, and this is the order of God. To the majority of churches are outside of the order of God. They are so-called churches, but they are religious congregations. Church is a body. They don't have the order of a body present in them. How can these congregations or assemblies, how can they be a body? How can they be a church? They can't. They don't understand this at all. And, you know, when they read it, they can't read these words. It said, Blessed is he who reads and who hears these words and who observes what is written, for the time is near. When I had not yet been a member of the church, and when I heard how our pastor explained this, I came and I said, Brothers, brothers, it is written, Blessed is he who reads and he who hears. Blessed is he who reads is one, singular, and those that hear plural, that there's one reader. I've, when a, when pastor said this, I I had heard this place of scripture all my life, but and I after I heard it from him, I quickly opened in that place of scripture and realized, and I said this, shared this with the brothers, and all the elders in that room couldn't figure out how come for many years they have been reading this place of scripture incorrectly because Satan wants to keep people from the order of God. He knows that they will never enter out of infancy in this way. And he will always be accessible to this program, the old man. But in the necessary moment, he can take this program and reveal it somehow. Blessed is he who reads, singular, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, plural, and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who was and is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We have paid attention on numerous occasions that the revelations of the Heavenly Father were given to His Son, and the Son of God delegated the revelation received from His Father through the angel to His servant, John. And only then, John, according to the command of Jesus, given to him through the angel, delegated the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God had given him to the seven churches, rather, to the seven servants, each of which stood at the head of one of the churches of uh, Asia. And according to our text, to love the pure milk of the word expressed in Scripture, we need to have the dignity of a disciple or a son expressed in a newborn babe. So, a son, disciple, 
they are those that are born in Zion. This is not someone that has been born in his own, born from Zion. All of your sons will be taught by God, it says in Scripture. Otherwise, we will not be able to eat of the milk and we will reject it. Just like at one time, the people of Israel, in their majority, they neglected the manna and tried to find a different food. Violation of the bread or neglect of the bread, they neglected it by calling it manna because manna actually was because when they said manna, what is this? This was their bitter sarcasm. They said, what is this? What is this manna? And therefore, to accept the dignity of a disciple and the characteristic of a newborn babe and thus receive the right to accepting the shield of salvation, the subject of the haste partaking of Pesach, we need to look at the nature of a babe or the main character that is present in all those that are born from the first Adam. We will look at the negative side of this character. We are talking about the characteristic of a person that is his inherited state passed on to him from the initial sin. And this initial sin as a virus first infected a third of the angel army and then Adam, after which this virus as an inherited gene began to be passed on to the descendants. This is pride expressed in envy. We already know people uh, were how people were afraid of the virus the pandemic people closed up in their houses and there was horror upon them that came but the virus this initial sin began to be passed along to all of its descendants this is pride expressed in envy this virus expresses itself which is pride but Pride expresses itself in envy. The pride is inside, and the expression of this pride occurs through certain thoughts, words, actions. With regard to this, we will look at this character trait that is lacks from... It is in a program. Something triggers. Something triggers this program to turn on in a certain moment when a, a baby begins to grow. And in different levels it is present in all people. And in order to detect the virus of envy and victory over this virus and the haste partaking of the basic lamb, we will need to look at the following. We need to define the essence of pride expressed in envy, the source of envy, strongholds against envy and weapons in order to overcome envy I it comes to remember memory it was a very long ago a certain conversation and one person this person is of the female gender says well I don't have in me what you say well you you suffer from struggle from some kind of lust from some kind of dependencies and there are ten commandments that you list I hate other gods, the first commandment, if you remember, out of the Ten Commandments, so that you may not have any other gods before my face. Do not make idols for yourselves. I hate idols, this person says. I hate adultery, fornication, uh, stealing. All of this, for me, is 
opposite of everything in nature. The only thing, she says, I have envy, the 10th commandment. We remember it's at, as the 10th component. Do not wish for the house of your brother, nor his cattle, nor his livestock, nor some kind of gift, nothing that your neighbor has. Do not desire it. This was a commandment, and you know, this person, this was my mother. My mother, according to the flesh, this is how she expressed herself. And I will acknowledge that one of the main motivations of why I was found in this church, I had never heard that I need to repent of envy before. But having inherited this character trait from our forefathers, I struggled from it. I realized that by nature I'm an envious person, and this I was so I felt so bad about this, and I observed all the brothers what all the brothers had said, where I was disciplined before. You can't do this. You do this this way, and so forth. But I couldn't overcome envy. I couldn't find envy. I was dying from this. I was uh, rotting from this envy, from this virus. But they said, "Why are you so afraid? Everything is fine." try to observe the commandments and that's it as this young rich man and everything will be will be fine but with my heart i heard that here in the surrounding of god's messenger god's prophet i realized that imitating this person i can be freed from this envy and that's that's how i've been found here I think just like you and sometimes you meet with people and they say I don't I'm not envious of anyone God has blessed me in such a way they are prosperous rich and successful <laughs> you know scripture says this prosperity success well if you're successful how are you going to be envious right you're rich everything is well everyone loves you everyone is astonished by you and uh, you might not have anyone else to be envious of, but you know, always, God has makes up our lives. Someone in certain spheres is going to be successful in some spheres in order to bring out, in order to teach us of something, so that we can understand that we were born with this virus so that we can despise it. And when a person ends up in this situation, then he begins to understand when... He's, he realizes that another person is more talented or successful, all of a sudden he begins to grow dark. If it does not grow dark, then he's not going to understand, and he will remain so high and lofty, and the mysteries of God will never be revealed, because the mysteries of God are revealed to the humble. Envy is an inherited trait of every person, and it is necessary for us to first acknowledge and see this virus in us, and for this goal it is necessary for us to provide it with a true definition. Envy, according to scripture, is expressed in hatred, in resentment, and in anger. And it attributes its blemishes to those whom it is envious of. And an envy that is not uprooted will reprogram us and it transforms us into the vessels of anger and will lead us as Cain into eternal perdition. Envy that is directed to us from the outside, against which will not be 
built a stronghold and weapons against which will not be used will kill our body as has happened in the instance of Abel. Well, how can they do this? How can they do that? I did this with all my heart. I tried so hard. I got up early in the morning, prepared the food. Guests were coming. Well, how could they have said this? And sometimes people will say something out of envy, but it is hidden. We try to hide our envy. People hide this. Then they say something. Well, how can they have done this? And you know, we face... People might say anything when they don't dwell in the Lord. They even try and, when trying to do well, they sin before God and they, they don't do good at all. The children of God and the children of devil are found out this way. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother, and why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. We know that a meek heart is life for the body, therefore we have despised envy, and our time is coming to an end, and if God allows us, we will go over this in future services, but today we will remember, and I will remind you, that to eat the basic lamb in haste is to ponder upon the word of God and it is to show humility before the word of God and we can show this humility having shown meekness. Meekness is placed opposite of envy. Therefore, when we show meekness, our envy will not be revealed in us and Satan will not be able to use his program in us and finally we wait for that moment when this program is going to be cast into hell from our bodies and we will need to be vigilant over this because there is no envy in our spirit. Our spirit is in the likeness of God. We will pray and thank God and make our spirit firm against all the works of devil. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy and for the opportunity to be taught your truth. You have placed us on your field. You have placed us upon your threshing floor and you have said that the wheat is going to be separated, freed, and is going to be placed into the barn and the rest will be burned with fire that is unquenchable. We thank you that you have placed us in your word through the preachings of Christ and we have accepted your word with our hearts. We have accepted your truth from your lips. We thank you for our pastor and your messenger whom you have given so that we could be taught, could be taught to love your law just like you love it and just like your prophets loved it and your chosen ones. 
and only this love toward your law will allow us to bring fruit to you so that we, like wheat, can be placed into your barn. We wait for your rapture. We know and we hear your steps. We know that we are found at the door of hope. And you have promised to fulfill your ancient revelations and to clothe our bodies into imperishability in the resurrection of Christ. And we have accepted this promise from your lips. And with our hearts, we have believed and we grow this seed into fruit. And when the fruit is going to be shown, revealed, you will fulfill that which you have spoken to your servants, your prophets. And you will take us into your barn. You will begin to burn, to burn. And we will partake in your judgments, Lord, and walk with you and proclaim your judgments and to be comforted by your judgments. And forever we will rejoice about your commandments regarding your precepts and the fact that you have delivered us from the law of sin and death, having given us the law of spirit of life with which we will collaborate and bring ourselves into your fullness before your countenance. We thank you for the precious word. Allow us to tremble over this word, to cherish it, to ponder upon it, to dwell in it, to protect it, and to be watchful of those commandments which you have placed in our heart through the service of our pastor whom we love and whom we bless from your home. May he be blessed. May he be blessed in this moment. May he be blessed from your countenance, O Lord. May you bring joy to his heart. May you fill him with your strength, with your glory, and with your healing. May all him who is watchful be healed. And you teach us how to resist and how to make our spirit firm against this envy. We despise this program, this virus. We will resist it until the day of your coming because we are your sons. We are the sons of Zion. We are the sons of your preached word. Zion grants us with the quality of babes and we will keep ourselves in fullness before your countenance. We thank you, Lord. May your saints be blessed who are watchful. And may they be delivered through your healing word from all illnesses. We are going to wait for your coming from heaven and prepare ourselves and collaborate with your word upon this place. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we will conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy. To God our Savior, through Jesus Christ, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.